Welcome, NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined this week by Tom Timmerman of the Post-Dispatch. Uh, just back from the uh, Jay Bowmeister News Conference. Uh, Tom, your, uh, your big takeaways from listening to Jay Bow talk about his uh, cardiac incident and uh, his recovery, his return to normal life. You know, I mean, he, he looks like a guy that's actually living a pretty normal life right now, and he indicated that that you know really he feels normal. They, you know, he's got this thing impl- implanted now, and his, I think, under his collarbone if they put it where they usually put it, uh, and the life is going on as normal. Uh, you know, there's you know he can't lift his arm on that side quite as well as he used to, but uh, that'll get better. So it looks like a guy who is, you know, had this thing happened and now is you know gone back. Every, I, even though he didn't say it, even though all they said was he's not going to play again this year in the regular season of the playoffs. Um, yeah, you wonder, you know, it's hard to imagine a world in which he plays again um, just because, you know, what 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 is there to be gained uh, out of it for him or a player at his age? He's got one more year at the most um, that it just doesn't, you know, why would you, you know, he was asked, you know, have you thought about, you know, why me? And he said, you know, no, but you'd have to ask about playing again. Why would just be the question. Right. And I don't know what the reason would be for other. You love the game, but, um, you know, after going through this, I think it would be better. But it's his life and I, he doesn't need my advice. Well, one thing is uh, for now, for the short term, uh, you know, that he's. There's no need to rush into retirement. He's on long-term injured reserve. As mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong re- reiterated, mm-hmm. he will not play this year or in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He is welcome to be around the team, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. And uh, and he will be uh, mm-hmm. part of the group going forward. And if you announce your retirement and you're hanging around, it's a little weird. So I think you know mm-hmm. he'll just finish out the year as an injured guy. Uh, play a role, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, that uh, I would expect uh, Jay Bowmeister to, tr- especially come playoff time, mm-hmm. to be with the group, mm-hmm. and because there's a lot of wisdom there and a lot mm-hmm. of experience. But it, it was interesting time to hear him talk about what advice he might have to give or what ideas he would share. And he said, "Well, you're so focused on your job when you're mm-hmm. playing that it's not like he's had these broad thoughts about mm-hmm. schematic things that he might." Mm-hmm. Want to suggest to the overall operation? Uh-huh. He's been focused on trying to go out there and play his twenty plus minutes and stop uh-huh. that night's opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was talking to Troy Brower uh, after practice today, and he was saying though, you know, Bowmeister, you know, has this you know well earned reputation of being a quiet guy, he doesn't say much. But he said, you know, whenever you know Bowmeister gets up and says something about what's going on with the team, he is always right. He always is a 100% accurate on when he says, this is what we're not doing right right now. It's, it's, it's exactly what you know, needs to be said and what is going on. And I've certainly found that when, I, you know, when the team is in slumps, I'm looking for someone to explain it, that I go to Bowmeister and he gives an answer. But Brower said he's got a 100% success rate on <laughs> telling us what we're not doing right. So you know, we listen to him, and if he's got things to say, uh, we'll, we'll take him to heart. So now he'll be able to uh, theoretically come to the, come to some games, a lot of games, you know, watch some from above, watch some on, mm-hmm. on, on the television. And there will be some. He'll be able to ease towards mm-hmm. the sunset in a sense. He could still be a part of a group that has a shot to win a cup. Mm-hmm. And it could well be that he could enjoy much of that experience. Now, I'm not sure, given his condition, that he may not want to party quite as hard <laughs> if it were to come to that conclusion again. Uh-huh. 
But, I mean, certainly he can be part of the adventure, which is a nice way to ease towards what you know, ultimately will be a, you know, a sad day for him to leave the sport. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was asked today, you know, is, is there anything you haven't achieved yet in hockey? And the answer was no. I mean, I think the only thing he could have said was, yes, I haven't won two Stanley Cups. That's the, that's the one <laughs> yeah. thing that, that I would still like to do in my hockey career. But yeah, he's, he's, he's done it all. Uh, you know, and he you know, record set and the awards won. He's, you know, golds in the Olympics and the Stanley Cup and the world championships and, you know, world juniors. And he was just, you know, he's done everything there is to do. One of the, um, you know, great careers. I, I think we, there was a conversation I think I had, I think with Darren Pang and John Kelly, we were in Columbus earlier this year. And the question was, you know, any current blues who could make the Hall of Fame? And the question is, Jay, is Jay Bomeister a Hall of Famer um, with what he did uh, in his career? It's an interesting question because typically your defensemen that get the most attention are the offensive guys. Not mm-hmm. totally the case. And Jay did have some really big offensive years early mm-hmm. in his career. A latter part of his career, he's more of a shutdown guy. He doesn't have the the gaudy numbers. But mm-hmm. if you start adding up credentials, you know, again, the world competitions, the international stage, playing for your country, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of respect that you get, uh, you're, you're with the elite again and again and again. You have mm-hmm. that reputation. Uh, and then, of course, you add the cup on top of the, mm-hmm. the pile. Uh, you could certainly make a case. I mean, we're talking like JT pointed out over mm-hmm. counting playoffs over fourteen hundred games. I mean, that mm-hmm. played a lot of hockey. Now there are a lot of defensemen have put up crazy numbers, and they're going to get mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. But I think if a guy like a Phil Hosley, who's a great offensive player, could be a Hall of Famer, then a guy like Jaybo, who you know became the matchup guy and respected for logging those tough assignments. It's a, it's a great discussion. It really is. And, mm-hmm. and you know, with the selection committee process, or such, it's a little, um, a little hard to predict. <laughs> yeah, it's mysterious. It, it, it is. is. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, and some of it depends on you know, who else is uh, up that year. And sometimes you get years in which there aren't automatic first-team candidates, uh, you know, first-year candidates. In this case, other guys who, you know, I think it was the year Bernie Federko went in, and that was a year in which – I think no one saw that coming because he'd been so consistently passed over, and then there were no first timers. All of a sudden, you know that that was the year Bernie got in. Um, you know, you look at the Blues roster right now and think of you know who is a potential Hall of Famer on it. He's probably got a better chance uh, of anyone. I mean, you know, Petrangelo may play himself into that with you know, uh, but certainly you know, Bomeister's the resume he's put together has been. Uh, has been outstanding. Now, the one thing in which was fun to talk about with J-Bo is that, you know, a lot of fans here didn't get it with mm-hmm. him. Now, he comes through, and there were times when he struggled because of the hip and other issues mm-hmm. physically trying to play through injuries. There were times when the team didn't play especially well. He had a big contract. There were times when the team was frustrating the fans in general. Mm-hmm. And J Bo became a familiar uh, point of contention. Will for, they buy out J Bo? Yeah, contract. yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, it just people didn't get the way that the rest of the industry viewed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, around the industry, you know, this guy is hugely respected. Here mm-hmm. in St. Louis, some people didn't get it. Yeah, and no matter how many times you tell him, look, he's taking all the tough assignments. He's defensive mm-hmm. zone starts, killing penalties, matching up against top lines. There are going to mm-hmm. be nights when things don't go well. Yeah, because yeah. you're out there in yeah. every high, high danger situation. There are guys that are going to make you look bad because yeah. they make everybody look yeah, bad. I got Sidney Crosby again. I got how to match up to him every shift. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. 
Wait, Sidney Crosby scored a goal. My goodness, well, what a well, shortcoming you What's doing? Well, yeah. he's trying to <laughs> yeah. stop Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's certainly certainly the case. And then you look at it, and he's only scoring, you know, three goals. What's he bringing? And, you know, we, you look at uh, Colton Pareko and what he does, and – you know, in some way, you know, he's a, he's a much larger version in some ways. You know, skates really well. I mean, Bomeister's ability to get pucks and skate fast and lead it up ice and you know get pucks out of the zones and he, he did all of those things extremely well. And just kept going. Here's a guy. He starts playing as a teenager mm-hmm. and just keeps going and just logs. I mean, remember? Can you imagine how many nights that? He was at sixty percent or seventy percent, maybe. Yeah. During the course of that long grind, mm-hmm. but he's just a—he's just a, a pro. Yeah. You know, he just finds a way. I mean, last season was—it was, it was an amazing season because for the first half of that year, he—he was—he wasn't good. I mean, and I remember going into training camp last season and thinking maybe we're at a point where Jay Bomeister needs to be on the third pairing because he's, there's other guys there. He's coming off his injury. Um, they didn't do that. They stuck him into a tough spot, you know, until his hip got better. He was not playing well. They, they scratched him and and, we made a deal the time, you know, we said, you know, a healthy scratch for the first time. I don't know that he counts as a healthy scratch on those games because his hip was still bad and they might probably shouldn't have been playing him to begin with. But then the fact that at his age, at that point in his career, that he in the second half of last season played as well as he did is, is a remarkable Recovery. I mean, you look at you know the the career tracks of players, and and they inevitably go down. Right. And here was a guy that put a button button hook in his career and and raised it up. You know, to you know the injury was taking him down, but he turned the corner and got back and played very well. And you talk to people in Boston about the Stanley Cup Final, and they talk about how the perfection line is great in a regular season, but when you run up against big defensemen. Mm-hmm. And who are dedicated to keeping them on the outside, using their size, using their reach, uh, you know, using their experience in the case of the Blues, how tough it is on them. And, you know, you just mm-hmm. go back and, and, and look at a well-earned cup for mm-hmm. Jay Bomeister because they – even tough seven-game series. But, you know, I mean, they, they did their job on mm-hmm. tough matchups, and he was out there, and people in Boston are still talking about how, to, how their top players had a, had a hard time matching up against the big Blues defensemen. Yeah, I you know just the the combination of him and Pareko, what they were able to bring together, um, that was a, that was a, a tough pairing to beat. And uh, yeah, so I mean we're you know it it sounds as though we're you know doing the career retrospective yes. on Jay Bomeister, and I think we're assuming that gosh, it's a tough thing to come back from having an ICD implanted in your chest and having to play through that. Um, and it's not official yet, but yeah, it's it's because the Blues will have to make a call on this. You know, not long after the season ends, they right. got to think about what they're going to do for next year. And there's a host of things to look at. Of course, uh, you're trying to get Alex Petrangelo signed. You just give the money that Jaybo's making now, and just give that as a raise to Alex, and you're getting close to probably where you need to be. Mm-hmm. But you got to make decisions on other players too. Other players mm-hmm. who are getting raises, who you keep, who do you do you, you know? Our guy, uh, you know, our guy Nico's got to come up and play mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, probably next year. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's hockey decisions, and then mm-hmm. and then unfortunately the business side of it also includes things like insurance and yeah. risk assessment from a team standpoint too. And mm-hmm. all of these things will factor in. And uh, uh, I got so I mean yeah, if it sounds like we're writing them off, in a sense we're just trying to be realistic here and also mm-hmm. reflect on 
how much he's done and, and just the magnitude of a guy. And that's was adding to the, the, the impact this whole episode's had. Mm-hmm. It's just this guy's integral to this team. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, you know, I would say unappreciated for a guy who was well, you know, who won all the things. But there was a lot of times in which it was easy to, to look past Jay Bowmeister because he didn't have the numbers. Um, but he certainly made invaluable contributions. Now, speaking about fans and not appreciating, I was talking to Mike Smith, (laughs) our our online sports editor, before we came in here. He said that uh, Jay's wife sent a a note to him last summer wanting to publish a letter thanking the city of St. Louis for being so good to her and her husband and the the family and how Mm -hmm. great it's been. And so they were talking. He said, you know, Mike said, well, you know, I'm sorry about all the comments that, you know, people come in and they get, whether it's the forum or the chats with us or, uh, or the comments at the end of the stories, they can beat up J-Bo pretty good. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, I get it. I understand that. But you guys have been really pretty good to us. And mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, there were a couple of times when, you know, he had to say, uh, you know, he was getting, you know, there's some critical assessments of the team's play and including his own. And, and he had to own up to it at the time he was struggling. Yeah, there was points early last year when, you know, Pucks was, you know, seemed to be finding a way to get, you know, Pucks going in off J. Bo Meister's anatomy, that he was always just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there would be a shot from the point. All of a sudden it would, you know, hit off Jay's leg or various other parts of his anatomy and be in the net. He Like three or four goals he had going off of him last year. And early in the year he just was not, you know, doing things, but again, he, he turned it around. Now, as far as getting back to the, the team in general, uh, they're coming off a bit of a uh, an uncharacteristic game. Uh, Marco Scandella <laughs> settled in for Jay Bomeister. It looked really good there. Uh, tight checking games, a couple of good performances against other teams that were uh, that were in the hunt. Then you come back home to Chicago, and oh my, <laughs> the the Blackhawks come in and the game that just gets off the rails and stays off the rails. Yeah. Somehow they won because, but it was just ah, it was crazy. Well, as Robert Thomas said, it was crazy. It was a crazy game. It was uh, that game just went. You know, as someone writing the game story, it was like, what am I? What? No, yeah, this this way, that way, this way, that way, turning uh, directions multiple times. Uh, the Blues and yeah, they they play again in a couple Sundays and. Uh, the entertainment value figures to be high. I don't know what it is about the Blackhawks that brings out something in the Blues that says, uh, you know, wildness. Because obviously the previous time they played, the Blues were down 3 nothing in the third, scored four goals in the third to come back and win in regulation. That was a, a wild one uh, as well. When I look at that game, the first 10 minutes, obviously the Blues could have had a huge lead. Mm-hmm. And you looked at, if you looked at it from high above, you could see them making all of these passes that normally don't work. Mm-hmm. because Chicago is not very good, <laughs> you know, and they're just, I mean, they're mm-hmm. hanging in there. God bless them, but they're not the most defensively structured team you know, mm-hmm. in the league. No, so, they got elite goal scorers, but really not right. elite blue liners. No, I mean, mm-hmm. Duncan Keith's playing great, but mm-hmm. they, the Seabrook broke down and, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, gave up on Gustafson at the trade deadline. And, you know, Jeremy Colleton's doing what he can, but mm-hmm. the Blues are making all these passes all over the ice that you normally don't see. So they're building these three and four or five pass plays. So, and they're just missing goals and they're getting power plays. And they're, it's just like, they had the vibe of like, well, we could score at will tonight. Mm-hmm. And then the game kind of <laughs> went crazy. And, and mm-hmm. ultimately at the end, they could score at will if they needed to. <laughs> But it just was so uncharacteristic. And I think it started that because the Blues got out there and figured, oh, we could play, um, I wouldn't say quite pond hockey, but it was, yeah. they could freewheel and get away with it. 
Yeah, it looked that way. I mean, it looked like it was only going to be a question of how many goals they scored that night. They ended up scoring six, but boy, it looked like, yeah, it was they could have scored six in the first period the way they started, uh, and it didn't happen. And as we see so often, when, when you do that, um, you know, when you have a lot of chances early and don't finish them, somehow it, it turns seems to turn around on you. And then as soon as Chicago goes scores two and goes up, and it's like all of a sudden uh, things get – Things get tight at that point, and you wonder how are we going to turn this around. But they, uh, but they did because they had the answer to all the Blues questions now, which is Zach Sanford. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's fun, because, funny because it's one. You know, he got back on the score sheet, and he hadn't been on the score sheet. But just watching this guy skate, watching this guy win battles, watching the the big things and the little things that he's doing. I mean, it, I can't <laughs> remember a guy. You guys get better, but mm-hmm. and you expect certain guys to get better. And like Thomas, you expected to see some of this. You expected to see Kairou come on, mm-hmm. but Sanford, some of the stuff he's doing, mm-hmm. nah, I didn't see it coming. No, um, and you know he had gone five days without score, five games without scoring. And if you looked at those five games, though, you'd have thought Zach Sanford's playing pretty well. Oh yeah, he, he wasn't scoring, but he was still doing all of the things. They, you know, defensively and offensively creating, he was doing all the right things. He just wasn't scoring. And we, we never saw that before. Before it was either Zach Sanford was scoring goals or what's going on with Zach Sanford. But this was a case where he wasn't scoring, but he was still, his complete game was, was still there. Now, if he ever gets down in life, what he, mm-hmm. I hope that he either had the DVR working at home <laughs> or somebody close to him has been doing that for mm-hmm. him, his family. As maybe mom's been doing it back mm-hmm. home, but uh, Pierre Maguire is a bit of a fan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Raving about it. going back to the uh, – uh, I obviously didn't hear anything last night from him being mm-hmm. uh, up in the press box, but going back to the previous broadcast, oh, my. Mm-hmm. A lot of chit-chat about how what a steal Sanford was and what a power forward and a emerging – I mean, he is sold. Mm-hmm. Pierre sold. Even <laughs> even says his name correctly. It's hard to mispronounce Zach Sanford. Well, yeah, that's true. Send forward or something. But, <laughs> but if he ever gets down, he needs to just get find some of these Pierre Maguire clips. Yeah. Because then he'll feel like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm probably, Chuck. probably give Pierre a call. Yeah. Pierre, I'm sure, would be glad to uh, to talk to him in person about yeah. these issues. Oh, yeah. man. I, of course, he must be getting glowing reviews. And and that is, uh, I don't know. I mean, it just, again, some of the stuff you just shake your head. The little things like, Pausing and then using using a guy using the defender as a screen and mm-hmm. the little moves and then just a sense of the instincts. You knew he had some of that offensive ability. Always showed at different levels, mm-hmm. but it's almost some of the stuff at this level to pull some of the stuff he's pulling off. Mm-hmm. You know, at times almost looks elite. Now he's not an elite player, but you have to have elite yeah. moments to, to get any production in this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're looking at 20, 25 goals a year now from this guy. I mean, he's he's got eleven goals in the past fifteen games. I mean yeah, that's 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 quite a surge. <laughs> yeah, I mean you you do the math. I mean that projects out to you know fifty. You know, I mean he's had three multi goal games in the last, in the month of February. He had never had any in his career prior to that. He had two twos and a four in this uh, just in February alone. Now you you've got other work to do though. Now you have been working on uh, you personally worked on Ryan O'Reilly on the uh, hey, <laughs> yeah. you need to get some shots on goal and ah. He had like one of the all-time great moves up the left wing, a little change of pace, had generated great speed, got around, hit all day on the wraparound and tried to rush it, just missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently not a Zach Sanford when it comes to wraparounds. <laughs> yeah. But 
looks like he's trying to assert himself a little more, getting a few shots on goal. You know that the uh, the goal he scored on a breakaway made to order because he, he the passing was not an ap- option for him. You know, yeah, he couldn't he, couldn't it try the ridiculous passing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the drop pass on that one would yeah. not have worked, and so he had to shoot, and it worked. Uh, and he he had and he had a few more chances uh, last night as well. So it, um, I, I like the uh, I'm not going to take full credit for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, turning things around, but uh, he knows as well as anyone what his shortcomings are. Uh, as any of us who've ever spent time talking to Ryan O'Reilly know that uh, no one will take any, uh, you know, no one will blame himself more for a defeat than Ryan O'Reilly. And so he's, even last night, he was like, the, the, the penalty kill was bad. I got to be better on that. Uh, he won the game 6-5. Yeah, the penalty, we gave up three goals and, and I'm just not doing the, the job. So he's doing it, uh, you know, and, and it's good to see him score. Things, you know, make things happen there. Yeah, I think the one goal that may have been troubling, and it really I don't wouldn't put this on O'Reilly, but uh, you know Brandon Saad, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty good position right there, standing yeah. on top of the crease unattended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, admittedly, you're a man short. I get it, but uh-huh. you know that one. Yeah. You just, if you're not, if nobody's, if he's not being hassled at all, then you sure as heck better not let a pass get through to him. Yeah, I mean, you you, you can only there's one guy that's got to be left unguarded in a power play, but don't let that guy be directly you're in front right of the in goal. Front of that. And he no. talk about all day. Just, I mean, he could have yeah. just he could have put a couple moves on if he needed to, but he just went quick instead. Yeah, yeah. And so, Bennington had to be thinking, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, anybody, anybody. A little uh, help, a little help. But I, I don't think, of course, they, prior to that, they had a great stretch, what, 16 penalty kills in a stretch of five games or whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't know that that's a, that's a huge problem for the group. In fact, you know, the, you just – and I wrote about this as far as looking at the big league picture overall after the after the deadline. Well, you really just have to like where this team is. I mean, with the, mm-hmm. between Thomas and, and Cairo and Sanford coming along, and of course the Tarasenko thing, and mm-hmm. Scandella steps right in seamlessly. Yeah. Team's got a little bit of momentum again. Colorado did not get appreciably better at the uh, mm-hmm. trade deadline. That was the big fear that you know Chris Kreider was going to go somewhere. He could end up in Colorado, and then all of a sudden that changes the balance of power. It didn't happen. Yeah, they, they had lots of cap room, and they have um, some defensive prospects. They seem primed to make a home run play mm-hmm. but at the end of the day Kreider decides to stay in New York now had he decided had they not struck that deal could Colorado have pulled that off Joe Sackett yeah maybe mm-hmm. but as a rental he may have gone because they think this is their year but you know I don't know I mean we'll find out how about their goaltending Grubauer is now uh, is mm-hmm. sidelined uh, mm-hmm. for it's a mysterious amount of time yeah. uh, this is troublesome for me because he's one of my fantasy goalies <laughs> But, uh, you know, Pavel's been fine backing them up, and they, they go out and get a little fortification there. But, you know, Nashville didn't do anything. Winnipeg didn't do much of, of consequence. Uh, Dallas has been playing really well, but they didn't really add. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Thornton was ever going to fit there. I'm not sure that team needs to get any slower. Um, so, mm. you know, they are who they are, and the Blues have a chance to be better than last year going into the playoffs if, if the, the pieces fit together. Yeah, and, and – um... The way the Central Division is shaping up, uh, there's a strong incentive to finish first place in the Central Division. There, there's something, you know, it's because if you are second or third, you're going to have to beat Colorado and Dallas both to get mm-hmm. through. If you if you're getting first, you're getting a wild card team. You're getting either the fifth place team in the Pacific or you know, Nashville if they rise up to that occasion. I, you know, that's a much more, I think, easier route right. uh, to get through the uh, to get through the playoffs. Yeah, if you look at it, there's there's a pretty big drop off 
this year. I mean, there's a lot of it'll be a fun race. I think Vancouver, depending if they get enough goaltending with Markstrom getting hurt, another one of my fantasy goalies goes up <laughs> in flames. They're uh, having tough times. Oh, man, I, I picked up line uh, Olmark. He won a couple games. He got hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just a, a pit of misery for me <laughs> with my, uh, my my goaltenders. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, like, Vegas, I think, could be really good. They could, And they, mm-hmm. they go out and they, and they get Robin Lander to back up. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to make sure he doesn't burn out. Mm-hmm. That team has a chance, I think, to hit stride, hit another level. There's yeah. there's another gear there. They've been kind of looking for it all year. They make the coaching change. I, I think, you, you know, Max Pacioretty's playing better. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, they've done some things on their defensive side that, in their blue line, I think, to make themselves better. And then you look at Dallas and, and Colorado. I think those are the four teams you would look at and say, okay, those are, are along with the Blues. Mm-hmm. Those are the the ones to fret about. I mean, if you mm-hmm. run into a Vancouver, I mean, I think at Calgary, Nashville's has been sort of sputtering. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Not, not Edmonton's trying to get in the bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona's really hit hard times. You know, after mm-hmm. a really good first half, they've struggled. So you're right. If you can avoid, if you can play one versus four, and then yeah. that drop off this year could be pretty significant. Yeah, and it it'll be tough. But the Blues, you know, they. They they were threatened and those teams got close and now they have started winning again and have you know, the, the space is a little exaggerated because other teams have games have more games to play but still you know the Blues have you know rebuffed that uh, that threat they were getting they won five in a row and you know they're they're in, they're playing well they're playing in a way that they should win more games. Well, when you look at the guys, if you get at the same time, you're seeing uh, Pareko assert himself. You're mm-hmm. seeing. Uh, Shen get going again. You know, mm-hmm. Sanford's kept it up. Thomas has just been terrific. Yeah. Yeah, Perron is going to go through down stretches. He looks he's fighting it a little bit right now after a phenomenal first half. But uh, I wouldn't fret too much. I think Schwartz is skating, still skating really well, creating all sorts of chances, that making some moves out there. The, yeah. The yeah. back check last night to take the puck away to lead to that one goal. I mean, that was outstanding. And he's he's like, he's a, to me at peak form. So you're looking, again, you for the the bulk of this, and then Scandellas to me is an amazing story because my expectations were lower than what he's done so far, mm-hmm. and it, with almost no time to practice, they have not had right a in. practice. Yeah, I mean, he's only uh, they have not had a full practice since he's been with the team, and it, yet it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he gets out yeah. of place. He's pinching aggressively, yeah, not afraid to go all the way in, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you got to do on this team to sustain offensive pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like a great fit with the group, so yeah. he comes well recommended by people who knew him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there. And and you alluded to him earlier, but you know, Jordan Cairo looks to be developing. He's he's you know taking wing of late. He's uh, in play all that much last night. I think he was in single digit in in minutes, but he still is making things happening, and he's looking good. I think on both ends. Yeah, that one penalty is like mm, yeah. probably didn't move your feet enough on that. Mm-hmm. Got to get yourself in a situation there, but mm-hmm. you can't. You know, if you're Jordan Cairo, you still you, that penalty is Chiefs not going to look the other way on. Yeah, I mean, Perron yeah. will pull a few of those here and there, and you're like, eh, well, he's he's winning a lot of games for us. Mm-hmm. He knows better, but you know, mm-hmm. he's enthusiastic on the forecheck. Well, or so the the off even the offensive zone penalty, like, eh, mm-hmm. okay, he's trying to to go get the puck. Okay, mm-hmm. Jordan Cairo, you're not going to get that that much latitude. No, so. no, still a process for him to earn the yeah. juice. Uh, yeah, but he's he's made offensively. You you look at him and think, wow, he he does some things out there that uh, are really he, impressive. You look at some of these teams, and you look at some of the crap that they roll out on their third and fourth lines. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a lot on the net front. And then you look at a, a guy like that could go. You, you look at teams that, that 
like poor Edmonton. Now they go get Anthony Nassiu, and he's immediately has two points with McDavid, who's you know been straddled, been saddled with like Zach Cassian between suspensions, and mm-hmm. now suddenly he's got Tyler Ennis and mm-hmm. uh, Andreas Athanasiu, and he's like. He could have five points a night with those two, yeah. which is it's like those guys aren't world beaters. Mm-hmm. It's just the people he's been stuck with. Imagine if Jordan Cairo got to play with Connor McDavid, a mm-hmm. hundred uh, point guy. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Cairo. Yeah, he's going to. You have to. You have to really pay him because he just scored fifty goals. <laughs> oh my God! So yeah, I sounds mean, like this is affecting your fantasy team. In some no, way. no. Well, I did pick up Athanasia, which was a happy development uh, mm-hmm. immediately as soon as that trade happened. I picked him up. Well, he scored 30 goals last year. Yeah, no. Minus 45 in 46 games. You can say that's not the best. Yeah, but I think Detroit makes all those numbers look really bad. What's Fabry now? Is he like minus 25 or something? Uh, Hang on. I I have the stats. And this is not a knock on Robbie. It's just that's you play on that team, you're going to have a ginormous minus. He was minus 30 uh, going as of yesterday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Oof. Yeah, 13 yeah. goals, 16 assists. But, yeah, he's, he's, an, he's a good player. And so, anyways. Well, well that's it for this time of uh, Netfront Presence. Uh, we haven't quite written off Jay Bomeister, but certainly a good time to reflect some more on his uh, value to the franchise and the fact that it's a treasure to still have him around for the, the other guys on the team. And uh, for Tom Timmerman, this has been Jeff Gordon. A reminder that you can find all of our podcasts on stltoday.com slash podcast if you type that into your URL slot. And uh, we've got a new, uh, a new player, a new podcast player. That, <laughs> a tra- I, trade deadline acquisition there of a new Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I like <laughs> it a lot. And it's a little different. But if some of your friends are having trouble finding us because their subscription didn't carry over, it should have. But if it didn't, remind them that, well, we switched players so they can hunt us down again and uh, get mm-hmm. back on the subscription. Mm-hmm. So... Any parting thoughts or predictions from Tom Timmerman before we sign off? Uh, you know, it sounds like they're talking about Tarasenko coming back. You know, after this next road trip they have coming up, so you know, middle of March, uh, that would be uh, that would uh, be entertaining fodder for us in uh, Netfront Presence in the weeks ahead. So that's uh, it'll be interesting to see, especially with the initial quick burst you get when he come, comes back. That Ruby was predicting that you know the first five games or so you get a lot of energy there so that's a that will be something to watch going forward yeah, yeah but blues fans will be cringing every time he takes a hit yes that will be going in there will be that fear factor that will be created with the uh, president he skated again today he's skated uh, every day he's still um you know not much contact today because it's an optional skate but and we'll be looking to see when he starts getting in those battle drills uh, which it could be soon Wow, that's Tom Timmerman. I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see ya.